slope walkers in the history of the world. One of his greatest feats was walking the, the Niagara Falls on a tightrope, 11,000 feet long, 160 feet above the water. And this he accomplished a number of times, and, and always with different theatric variations. Blindfolded, in a sack, pushing a wheelbarrow, on stilts, carrying a man on his back, and sitting down one time midway while he made an ape, an omelet. And one day after he had pushed a wheelbarrow across the, the Niagara Falls and come back on that tightrope, he asked a question. How many of you believe that I could put a person in this wheelbarrow and push him across the tightrope? Everybody cheered and yelled and screamed and everybody believed. And then he asked for a volunteer. And the crowd grew very, very quiet. Until one man stepped out of the crowd and got in the wheelbarrow. There's a difference between the crowd and the man in the wheelbarrow to God. Where are you? In the crowd? Saying, oh, I believe there's a God. I believe Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. I believe there's a new world coming. Or are you in the wheelbarrow? You know, it doesn't really make much difference when you're standing on shore. It makes a lot of difference halfway across the tightrope. And in our everyday experiences, in our life, in our choices, in our, our waking up, going through our days, and going back to bed, we can play it safe. We can stay in the boat. We can maintain our comfort zone. Or we can walk on the water with Jesus. But if you want to walk on the water, you've got to get out of the boat. What do you think about? What are you connected to? What's driving you? What's motivating you? What makes you make the choices you make? Who is most important in your life? Not in your words, not out of your mouth, but out of your life. Sometimes it's easy to find comfort in a crowd. It's easy to kind of stick with the crowd and just stay in your comfort zone. Maybe coming to church for you is just, hey, I'm part of the crowd. I'm just going to sit in the back. If you're here for the first few times, that's, that's, that's great. That's fine. But a lot of times people stay in the crowd a little bit too long. Find a little bit too much comfort just being one of the crowd. Not stepping out of their comfort zone because sooner or later, sooner or later, 
you're going to have to step out of the crowd. Either God's going to call you out of the crowd or your circumstances in life are going to call you out of the crowd. And you're going to have to think about, talk about what you believe. One day, Jesus Christ, while he was on earth, was doing some teaching. And he was, he was out doing miracles and out healing people and, and raising the dead and doing some pretty spectacular things. And he looked back and realized there was a crowd following him. There were people behind him. And I wonder if Jesus thought, I wonder if he was thinking to himself, would the crowd be smaller if I were not doing all this spectacular stuff? Would people still follow me from their hearts just because of who I am? Or are they following me because of what they get to see me doing? Because they get to witness the spectacular. Is that why everybody's back here in the crowd? So it says this in Matthew chapter 5. One day he saw crowds gathering. He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. So Jesus is out doing all these miracles and notices there's a crowd behind him. And now it's time to do some teaching. Because I'm sure there were people in the crowd saying, Okay, Jesus, give us some more of that healing people. Give us some more of that letting people stand up and walk that couldn't walk before. Give us some more of that rubbing people's eyes and now they're no longer blind. Give us some more of that raising somebody from the dead. Now that's really cool, Jesus. Give us more of that. And I'm sure there were crowds of people just following because of the spectacular. Had Jesus had a band, I'm sure it would have been real cool like ours. You know, just just to listen to. They were just cool to listen to. And I'm sure Jesus was not this monotone, boring, sleep-inducing speaker. He probably spoke in a way that drew people in and made them want to listen to what he had to say. So he had to start thinking, I wonder if this crowd is following me just because of what I'm doing externally, or are they following me from their hearts? So Jesus starts a bunch of teaching in Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7 that talks about and speaks to these people in the crowd about some things they used to believe, some things they used to practice, that he says, well, all that's good, but let me tell you what I really want from you. What he's saying is, I really want you to break away from the crowd and stop living the typical, just following along for the good stuff, life in the crowd. Jesus was asking them through what he teaches them to break out of the typical, to think in a new way and to live in a new way. So he sat down and he began to teach this crowd what could change their lives if they applied it. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought, is there any more to life than this? Is this it? Is it just this this same thing over and over and over? Have you ever felt like your life is just typical and wondering if there's something more out there, if there's something more you can experience, something more you can do? Well, just like God had something to say to that crowd of people that we're going to read about this morning, God has something to say to you if you feel like your life is just typical. This series is called Don't Be Typical, and it's about breaking away from the crowd It's about standing out. It's about changing the way you think. Most of what we talk about comes from the book of Matthew, first book in the New Testament, chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's it's come to be known as 
the Sermon on the Mount. They collected these teachings that Jesus did on the side of this mountain that was going to help people change their lives. You know, even if here for the first time, if you're just checking out this whole thing called church and just investigating if the claims of Christ are true, I'm sure there were people in that crowd who had not yet decided who Jesus was. I'm sure there were people who hadn't quite made the decision, is this guy really for real? Can he really offer me the hope that people are saying? If that's where you are, you've shown up on a great day because we're going to read about what Jesus said to people who were just like that. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Breaking out of the typical involves changing the way I think. And if I allow God to change the way I think, it's easier for me to recognize His will. So many times people will say to me, I just want to know God's will. I just wish I knew God's will in my life. Who, wh- where am I supposed to live? What am I supposed to major in? Uh, wh- which guy am I supposed to marry? You single ladies are going, you got choices? You know, who's this woman that's got all these choices for who she's going to marry? Who should I date? What kind of friends should I hang out with? If you don't allow God to transform the way you think, you won't be able to recognize His will in your life. It's not some riddle. God didn't hide His will from us in some riddle to figure out. God's will is out there for all of us to recognize if we allow Him to transform the way we think. And I have to start with my mind. Because if I'm ever going to change the way I act... I've got to start with the way I think. You know, a lot of people, instead of changing the way they think, they just change their environment and think it's all going to be okay. They think, well, a new job or a new relationship or a new town, that's going to make life better. And typically, people think, well, if I can just get to this spot in life, change this one thing, everything's going to be better. And then it's job after job, relationship after relationship, friend after friend, boyfriend after boyfriend, girlfriend after girlfriend, until at some point you have to think, is there something deeper going on? And that's what Jesus is trying to talk to this crowd of people about, and that's what he's trying to communicate to us 2,000 years later. It's got to do with what's inside. It's got to do with heart. And he's trying to get them and us to think a little deeper, not just to think on the outside, well, if I just change my environment, then my life is going to be better. If you don't change what's in here, it won't work. And the crowd was following him because of all this cool stuff he was doing and and saying. And when he begins to teach them, what he's saying is, there's something much deeper. Because typically... People don't get in the wheelbarrow. Only people that get in the wheelbarrow are those that say, I'm willing to risk, I'm willing to change, I'm willing to look inside of me and break out of the typical. What Jesus is talking about is heart. He's talking about inner motives. 
Their interpretation, this crowd of people had this interpretation of God's law that was about externals. They were thinking, if we can just do the right stuff on the outside and appear right on the outside, follow all of the right rules on the outside, then everything's going to be okay. And Jesus comes along and said, look, you can do all the stuff right on the outside and on the inside still be a mess. So he's trying to get them to think inwardly about their motives and about their heart. All relationships, if they're successful, are based on heart, are based on motives. What if I showed up at my house one day with flowers for my wife? Because we had some people coming over for dinner. And, and I show up with a bunch of flowers. And I'll say, honey, I brought you flowers because that's what husbands are supposed to do. And I saw this other husband buying flowers, so I got you some. There's people coming over tonight, so put these out on the, on the counter so they can see all the flowers I brought you just because that's what we're supposed to do. What do you think she's going to say after she hits me over the head with the flowers? No, thanks. You might feel served, but is she going to feel valued because I got them just so they'll look good, just because that's what a husband is supposed to do. That's what Jesus is talking about. Is I want your commitment to me, your commitment to my teaching to come from your heart. And Jesus is trying to communicate about our motives. When you have that in your heart, your actions automatically follow. But you can do actions all day long. You can do all the stuff right on the outside And your heart still be a long way from where it should be. Jesus is saying, trust me. And he's going to go through some things he's teaching and say, you got to trust me. you got to understand it's got to start with the heart. It's not with this external stuff first. It's about the heart. Because my heart follows what I value. What I'm valuing is where my heart will go. So Jesus says to these people, you've heard that it was said, don't murder anybody, and that's good, great, I don't want anybody to murder anybody, but you guys are full of hatred for each other. And he says, that's the same as murdering. Yeah, I don't want you to do the physical act, and you think you're all great, because you haven't done the physical act, but your hearts are full of hatred for each other. And if you hate somebody, it's the same thing. And he said, also said to them, you've heard it was said, don't commit adultery. That's right. Jesus doesn't want anybody to be unfaithful to their marriage. But he says, I don't even want you to look at somebody and fantasize about committing adultery. He's trying to get them to think about the heart, the inside. And he's saying, those of you in this crowd, if you start to think from the inside and not just try to get all the externals right, the externals will take care of themselves. And you will break away from this life you might feel like is just typical. So while Jesus has this crowd gathered, he says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus is saying that my heart follows what I value. So I have to ask myself, what do I value? What he's talking about in this context is is really materialism. But what's materialism? Materialism really has... 
little or nothing to do with how much money you make or how many toys you own. It, it has little to do with what kind of house you live in or car you drive, but it has everything to do with what owns you. Because you can have all that stuff and none of it own you, but you can have half that amount of stuff and then let it own you. That's materialism, is allowing things to own you. And Jesus says, don't store up, don't trust in those things of the world. Now, I know what that looks like today. When somebody trusts in their stuff, you can just tell. You just know it. When they trust in their things, however many things they have or don't have, you can just see that. But what could that have looked like in the first century? Jesus is talking in a first century culture. I mean, were people just going through life longing to move from a one-hup camel to a two? I mean, did they just move through life thinking, if I could just get to that two-hump camel, then, then everything would be better? And then they go through saying, wow, there's the 07, the real 0, uh, like 07. There's the 07 spinners on that chariot. I've got to have me some of those. I've got to get them. I don't know what it looked like then, but I know there was a lot less stuff to purchase then than there is now. So if they were dealing with it then, with so many less things to purchase and less things to value materially, I know people deal with it today. I know we deal with storing up treasures on this earth. And when I store up treasures on this earth, they own me. You can own as many things in this life as you want to and pay as much as you want to for them and not be materialistic. But the minute... They begin to own you. You've become materialistic. Is your happiness tied to your bank account? Your happiness tied to your job? Your happiness tied to what you own or don't own? Materialism is simply valuing the things the world values and finding comfort in the temporary. And Jesus is saying when he says, don't store up treasures on earth, he's saying, don't find your comfort in something that's temporary. Find your comfort in something that lasts forever. That way you won't be disappointed. If you put your hope and trust in something that lasts forever, you'll never be disappointed. But if you put it in something that wears out, eventually you'll be disappointed. The car wears out, the house wears out, the boat, whatever wears out. You're going to be disappointed if you put your hope and trust and faith in all that stuff. In a recent survey of 80 to 90-year-olds, they interviewed them and said, if you had your life to do over again, if you could back up and do your life all over again, what would you change? What would you do different? And the number one answer they had was this. Out of all these answers, they said, if we could do it over again, we would invest our lives in something that would go on even after we're gone. They could have said, I would have liked to live in this house or had this job or live in this part of the country. They didn't say that. They wanted to invest their lives in something that lived on after they were gone. That's storing up treasures in heaven. Investing in something that's going to live on after we're finished with this life. So how do you store up treasures in heaven? Because where is heaven? Where do you open up a bank account? You know, all that stuff. You're thinking, how can I get to where I'm investing in that instead of investing in these tangible things? How do you do that? Since we know what it looks like to store up treasures on earth, what does it look like? So when I read through this passage this week again, I thought, what does it look like to store treasures in heaven? That sounds so 
biblical or something. You know, I was like, what, what, what does that mean? Storing up treasures in heaven is simply this, valuing what God values. Investing in things that don't wear out. In things that aren't affected by the stock market or an election or where you live in the country or layoffs. Investing in things that never wear out. Valuing what God values. You know what the Bible also says about our lives? It says that our lives, it says your life is just a mist. It appears for a little while and then poof, it's gone. Is that not encouraging? Isn't that like, yeah, let's go eat lunch. I feel great. I found out my life is just like a mist. That's what the Bible says, meaning that you're only here for a little while in the grand scheme of things. What comes after this life is a lot longer than this life. Whatever you believe is after this life, it's longer. So why not spend our time investing in what comes after and what we'll live on even after we're gone than investing all of our time, energies, efforts, and creativity in something that will be destroyed. That's what Jesus is trying to communicate. Value what God values. Well, what does God value? Well, God values family. God values relationship. God values purity. God values helping people who need help, helping people who can't help themselves. Those are the things that God values among a lot of other things. So investing your life in something that will live on even after you're gone. If you go to LifePoint's website, you can go to a section that says core values. And, and that, that was prayed about and thought about and prayed about before we ever wrote down, here are our core values. There's seven of them, our purpose And when we determine what those values are, it automatically determines a lot of things that we don't do anymore or will never do. They might be good things, don't know. But there's things we won't do because of these values that we believe God has called us to. And then there's things we will do because of those values. Well, it works the same way in our lives. When we begin to value what God values, when we begin to focus on the things that God focuses on, Then we begin to store up treasures in heaven. God says that following his values is one of the most important things. To to find out what God values in following that will help you break out of the crowd. It'll help change your life. It'll help you store up treasures in heaven if you follow God. God's values. And you might be thinking, wait, 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 I, I thought, I thought we're supposed to follow our hearts. I thought it's just follow my heart and everything's going to be okay if I just feel it and, and I'm in love or whatever with this thing, this person, I'll just follow my heart and everything's going to be okay. Uh, may, maybe you're thinking that. Well, here's what the Bible has to say about our hearts. In Jeremiah 17 verse 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Follow your heart? The Bible says your heart is deceitful and hard to understand. In the Bible, when you see the word heart, there's two primary ways that it's used. One is the organ that beats inside of our chest, that if you don't eat enough Cheerios, do enough exercise, it will quit. That's one way it talks about heart. Another way the Bible talks about heart 
and what it means when it says heart. It's talking about our motives, our personality, our thoughts, our inner being. It literally meant middle or inner. So when God transforms our thoughts, like I read a few minutes ago, it also means God transforming our hearts. So you think, great, can't follow my heart now. You just told me my heart was deceitful. What do I follow? I follow my values. That's why it's so important to pay attention to what we value because your heart follows what you value. So when you value something, your heart attaches itself to that thing you value. That's why somebody can be so nice and so sincere and so full of heart and so wrong because they've attached themselves, they valued the wrong things, whether it's in their lifestyle, their thinking, their actions, they valued the wrong things. They may be a great person. They may not hurt anybody. They may not talk bad about anybody. But if their heart is attached to the wrong values, they are still wrong. And that's why Jesus comes along and says, it's not all about what's on the outside. It's about adopting my values and allowing your heart to attach itself to those values. Because whatever you value, if it's things... Your heart is automatically attracted to that. Because your heart doesn't know. It, it doesn't believe by itself. It only follows what you value. If you follow just your heart and you're just you know, romantic about it and you just say, I'm going to follow my heart, you will be deceived. Has anybody ever been deceived by their heart? Okay, let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought you were in love? And then find out later, he's a jerk. <laughs> I don't love him. Who's ever in their life at some point from, from middle school on up ever thought you were in love and found out later you were not? Okay, the honest people have their arms up. We've all done that. We've all felt something and thought something and, and, and just felt with all of our hearts that it was real. But then our heart ended up deceiving us because maybe, not in all the circumstances, but maybe our values We're in the wrong direction, so our heart just attached itself to those values. My heart deceived me at least once. About 10 years ago, I had this big idea that that it was time to stop doing ministry. That, you know, I was was a campus minister at that time at a college, and and, and I thought, okay, I can't raise kids on this uh, salary, so I'm going to leave ministry, and I'm going to pray about it, and then I'm going to start my own business. That's what I'm going to do because that looks really cool. Start your own business, set your own hours. You know, nobody telling you what to do. You don't have to work that much. So I made this decision with a partner, with my wife, that we were going to open our own business, did all this research, and, and landed on this one business, which was an Internet service provider providing dial-up, which I didn't realize was on the way out. And I remember at the training for this, this, business, this company that we bought, we were in California at the training, and I remember laying in the hotel room, looking at the ceiling, scared to death, realizing that I'd valued the wrong thing, that I'd valued independence, that I'd valued money and making more of it. That's where my values were, and I prayed about it, and it felt so right because, hey, my father-in-law even loaned me the money to do it, so it had to be right. 
That had to be the right thing to do. So there I am just following my heart because God would want me to be independent because I'd already decided I'm going to help these lowly uh, ministers that don't make any money. I'm going to help them when I make all my money. So that was my plan. So how could that be a bad thing? So I was just following my heart into this and realized I'd put my values in the wrong place. My heart had followed it. It felt like it was the right thing. And then the world came crashing down and I realized I'm not valuing what God values. I didn't realize God had put these gifts and these desires and these opportunities in my life that would have never been fulfilled if I would have gone down that other path. I was not valuing the things in my life that he valued. Hey, if you want to start a business, go for it. I'm just saying in my life. I stopped valuing what God valued in me, and I was valuing something else. And my heart immediately attached itself to that, and I felt like I was doing the right thing when I wasn't because my values were misplaced. My heart follows my values. Here's the danger of having your values attached to the wrong thing. You'll think something's right when it's not. You'll feel like something is the direction you should go when it isn't. Listen what Jesus says right after he says, don't trust in things of this world. He says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body's filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body's filled with darkness. And listen to this. This is the kicker. If the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Jesus is saying you might think you're running towards the light. You might think you're going in the right direction. But your values are, are to the, your heart's attached to the wrong values. Because my heart follows what I value. In the first service, there's a whole bunch of teenagers sit right here. And, and I said... Teenage girls, if, if you don't find your value, and, and grown-up girls too, if you don't find your value in the way God values you, if you don't value your body the way God does, then the first person that comes along and gives attention and makes you feel valued, you're going to find yourself falling head over heels for a loser because you weren't letting your values be attached to the things God valued. If you look in the mirror and try to value yourself based on what a magazine says or the television says or, or, or the thinness you're supposed to have, if you begin to get your value from that, that will lead to disorders, that will lead to addictions because your heart knows nothing better than to follow what you value. But if you find your value in God, and you see how he values you and the things he values in your life, whether nobody else on earth accepts you, whether no one else values you, it won't matter because you will know where your value really comes from. You might be in your life right now at a point where you're thinking, how did I get in so much debt? The wrong values. You valued the wrong stuff. How did I get at this point relationally in my life? How did I get to where my relationships are a wreck all in my life? How did I get there? You valued the wrong things. How did I get so distant from my wife and my kids? Valuing the wrong things. 
All those can be reversed almost immediately. If you take your values from over here and valuing what the world says to value, storing up where the world says to store up, and you move them over and you adopt God's values in your life, you will break out of the typical, you will walk out of the crowd, you will get in the wheelbarrow, and you will go safely across to the other side by valuing what God values. 